Patrick Mahomes stepped to the podium at Chiefs training facility for the first time in three weeks. Everyone wanted to know, after he had missed two games with a dislocated right kneecap, how he was feeling. Mahomes talked about this and the team's trip to Mexico City to meet the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. Yeah, we know it's the LA Chargers, but we like it better this way. Oh, and he talked about being compared to Steph Curry. Later, our college football crew checks in. You'll hear about Mizzou from Suichi Tirada, Kansas State from Kellis Robinette, and KU from Jesse Newell as the teams they cover prepare for games on Saturday. All of this on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by Big O Tires. It's Friday. Yay. November 15th. Here's Patrick Mahomes. Well, the question is, how are you doing? You've had the chance to test it out the full game. You feeling good? Coming off that? Yeah, I think uh, I feel really good, honestly. And I mean, just going out there and being able to play the game, do the things that I've kind of grown accustomed to doing, of scrambling and doing uh, all that different type of stuff and coming out uh, healthy was uh, definitely a positive sign. And I'm glad that I can kind of keep moving forward with that. Was there any moment or any play on Sunday where finally you just maybe crossed the threshold where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm okay? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think the moment I got on that field and you kind of get your mind off of it, and you're just able to focus on what you need to focus on in order to have success as a team. I think that that was kind of the moment for me. I mean, I, I think pregame and and throughout the week, you're trying to push it and trying to see what what you can do and what and what you can't do. And I think the the when I got on that field, I realized that I was good to go and that uh, everything that I had done with the trainers and doctors had had prepared me for the the game. So when really was the last that. time you felt this good physically? Last week, um, going into the Jacksonville game, maybe. Yeah, I would, say, I would probably say going into the Jacksonville game, uh, just being able to not have to worry about the ankle or not have to worry about uh, the, the knee and just being able to go out there and play football the way that, uh, the way that I, I've played it my whole career so far. You mentioned that you know, once the game started, was it really out of your mind no, I think uh, you can't really think about those things. I mean, whenever you're playing this sport, you have to be focused on, on what you need to be focused on in order to have success. I mean, the little, the little things that if you're not thinking about them and you're not focused on them, uh, that those will come back to hurt you in the end. And so for me, I just had a complete focus on on uh, the football play and whatever I need to do in order to have success. Patrick, I know Alex Smith means a lot to you. and We're looking right now at the anniversary of that terrible injury. I just wonder if, if you could reflect on what you thought about when, when you saw the injury and what kind of contact maybe you have with Alex since then. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to Alex off and on, and I mean, he, he's obviously an a, a, a amazing guy and someone that uh, helped me out a ton while I was here. And so, I mean, obviously I was very hurt, and I mean, about the injury and, and about him, because I know what type of guy he is and how much work he puts in to this profession and and how much uh, he kind of puts into his uh, and gives back to his family and the community. So I know that uh, he's still grinding. He's still doing whatever he can in order to get back on the field. And I, I know that he's the type of person that has that mindset that uh, that he'll be back better than ever. Do you stay in touch with him fairly regularly or is it just now and again? Or? Yeah, I think just every now and again, probably once every one, or two or three months and just kind of staying in touch with him. I mean, he's someone that, I mean, he taught me a lot in, my, in the one year that I got to be with him and it helped me a ton as being a professional and being a person. Patrick, what are you sure during your recovery you spent hours and hours here. In those rare times you were in the outside world, were people come up giving you advice about what to do or home remedies or anything to help you? I mean, did they 
Yeah, I think I think it came more from my family more than anything. I mean, they just trying to check on me as much as possible. But uh, I knew if I trusted them, what the what the trainers told me and the doctors told me that they were going to steer me in the right direction. Obviously, obviously, yeah, obviously, still listening to to the family and everyone like that. But uh, uh, just trying to prepare myself and focus on whatever I can do to get back out there. Patrick, how excited are you to play in Mexico and then uh, just the challenge of playing the altitude? Yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm obviously very excited to play in Mexico. I mean, the the, the stadium, the history, uh, the people, the fan base that, that is down there. I mean, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. And to me, the altitude thing is, is something that, I mean, it's just kind of part part of it. I mean, I feel like I'm going to trust in what the, uh, Rick and Coach Reed and, and their plan and the process. Um, but, I mean, I've never been affected – uh, knock on wood, never been affected like in Denver or any anything like that. I know it's supposed to be twice as high or whatever, but uh, I'm gonna go out there and just play the game and focus on what I need, what I can in order to have success. Do you think you guys still throw little things? You know, you guys get the little things right. This this last game, it seemed like there's a couple little things is what all added up to, to Tennessee to be able to come back. You guys talk as a group about how important those little things are and how to just to shore up like a drop here or a missed block here and just the little things can really cost you. Yeah, I mean, the the separation in the NFL is is tiny. I mean, from from whoever y'all say the best team is to the the worst team. I mean, everybody can beat anybody on every single day, and and we know that as a team. I mean, you play with these guys no matter what team they're on, and we knew that going to that game that they were going to be a team that that had a lot of talent and they were going to fight. I mean, they they're in the same situation that we're kind of in now, where they needed to win the game, and so. For us, I mean, as an offense, as a defense, and as a special team, we didn't execute at a high enough level. We all had chances to to win that game, and uh, we understand that now we're kind of at that point where we're in a, we're in a battle now, and so we're going to go out there every single day and make sure that we can execute at a higher level because we haven't been this whole season and playing the way that we know how to play. And so, I mean, we talk about that as a team, but I think that's just the mindset that that. Coach Reed's kind of instilled in us and in the mindset that we're going to have going, moving forward. A lot of the conversation around you, Patrick, comes from this idea of you doing things that are not, that are just abnormal to the normal football player, especially at the quarterback position. Um, how much pride do you take in executing a jump pass that you may have worked on all offseason to get the results you wanted and to sort of have the conversation be around the idea that you do things abnormally, more sort of acrobatic like an NBA player would versus sort of the natural traditional NFL quarterback? Yeah, I think I, I try to work on uh, both of them. I think that's the biggest thing. I, I try to put myself in situations throughout the whole offseason that I would be in during the game. And uh, I think that goes back to my trainer with Bobby Bobby Stroop, and he's known me my whole whole life, so he understands how to put me in these positions and strengthen them. And then going back to the, the fundamentals at the same time and make sure that I, I'm just as – or even better with, at, at those. And so I just want to put myself in these situations so when, whenever that one situation comes that you're, that you're ready for it. And I think you, you learn those things from guys like – Kobe Bryant and guys like that who shoot these thousands and thousands of shots that they may never take, but that one situation, that one time they're they're they're, they're ready for it and they make it. I saw you skip after the, the touchdown pass. Just what was going through your mind, sort of seeing the one opportunity and then meeting it and getting the execution that you wanted? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's obviously uh, you get that excitement uh, and you obviously you're you're happy. I mean because I mean you you've executed at a high level and at the time it was a big play in the game and we we scored and kind of went up by two scores. Uh, but uh, I mean I think just the, the the fact that we were able to execute, uh, it was a great route by McColl. I mean, he ran a, a route that he probably wouldn't have been able to run at the beginning of this year, and it shows that he's progressing and getting better every single week. And so I think just, just keeping the the excitement of the game and enjoying it is always important. One other question I want to ask you, Pat, is this, so much of the conversation around you is people sort of equating you to Steph Curry, the Steph Curry of the NFL. What does that mean to you? I don't think we've ever asked you that before. Just 
What does it say that you're being compared to someone of that caliber in a different sport? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously really cool. It's, it's amazing to be compared to guys uh, like that. And, I mean, he is someone who's had he's been at the top of the game for a very long time. And so, But for me, there's still so – I have so much longer to go as far as getting to anywhere near that level. I mean, those guys have been consistent, and they've been great every single year for their entire career. And so for me, I'm just getting started, and I, and I understand that. So, I, I mean, I obviously love to hear it and love to see it, but I know that I have so much more to prove to even get anywhere near that. I know it's nice to the guys like Tyreek and Travis make plays. Those guys are consistently making plays. But is there something extra about seeing McColl as a young player who hasn't necessarily been in those positions make plays and see him develop? So when you're celebrating afterwards and talking afterwards, is it just a little bit more fun because you've seen him do it for the first time? I mean, I, I think it's always fun, no matter who it is. I mean, that's that's the the great thing about this team is, a, as a as a unit, we don't care who is the guy that's making the big play. We just want to go out there and have success together, and uh, that's why you see the enjoyment from each person. You see guys like Tyreek chasing Damian down when he's scoring a touchdown to celebrate with him, and I mean everything. I mean that's 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 part of it. And you have to enjoy this game every single week because I mean it is a grind, but I mean it's a lot of fun when you get to do it t together as a team. Tyreek has been great influence in your football preparation because the. Mexico City game, the altitude, for example, that everybody says that the ball can fly a little longer in Mexico or some little details like that? I don't think so. I mean, I'm just going to prepare like it, like if we were playing at Arrowhead. I mean, I'm just going to prepare myself for, for, for the game knowing that uh, – that we're going to get to go into an amazing stadium and get to play in front of a great fan base. And uh, I know that the, the team will have us ready to go whenever we get there. They're not getting to come. So, uh, but uh, no, they're, they're definitely going to be watching and they're excited for me to get to go play. Anything specific that Rick and the training staff though have told you about preparing to play down there? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to try to stay hydrated. You're going to try to make sure you get the, the right amount of rest. But I think that's stuff that you have to do as seasons go on every single year. I mean, as the season goes on and you get to the end of the season, uh, I mean, you have to make sure that your body is in the best condition because it, it's a it's a long season, and we're but we're excited to get to go to a place like that and get to play. Do you think you can still go 100 yards in Mexico? Yeah, I don't I don't know I don't know if I'll have to test it. Maybe if we're on the <laughs> one yard line, but uh, I'll, I'll probably just kind of stick to just throwing it uh, not too far, uh, like I, like I did to Tyreek this last week. We got time for a couple more guys, Pete, and then Sam here. Tyreek has been been graded really high since his his return. You watch a lot of ball, even on your off days. Would you regard him as the game's best receiver right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think kind of when, when people rank people and do all that type of stuff, it's more towards the media type stuff. We just try to go out there and be the best best players we can be. Uh, but for me, I mean, I know he's he's someone that I that I would not want anyone else for. I mean, he, he's he he's able to have that explosiveness. He's able to have that speed, but he's able to run routes. He's able to high point high point stuff and really do stuff that I've never seen anyone else in, uh, be able to do. And I think that's just a testament to his work ethic, a testament to to the way he prepares his body and prepares himself mentally in order to go out there and have success on every single week. Have you been in Mexico before? Uh, I have not been to Mexico before, I, I, other than like a cruise when I stopped through maybe for a day. But, uh, I mean, for me, I'm excited to get to go. And, like I said, the stadium's going to be amazing, and I'm excited to be there. That's one, Sam. Patrick, what's your rehab and work that you're putting in now like after you made it through the game? What do you anticipate it is to the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think as I went through rehab, I, I understood that that even if I'm not necessarily hurt, that I still need to take care of my body at that same that same level. And so, for me, uh, I think as I just mature as a person, I realize that I need to be taking care of my body each and every day. And so I'll still have the same schedule as far as what I need to do to prepare myself for the week of the football game, but I'll just add in the extra time that I have and maybe an extra hour here or there to go make sure I'm in that training room getting myself right. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So that was Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. When we return, Suichi Tirada kicks off our college football coverage, followed by Kellis Robinette and Jesse Newell. Big O Tires is rolling out Black Friday deals now through December 8th. Get limited-time Black Friday savings on oil changes, brakes, car batteries, and more. You'll also save big on tires. How big? Buy three select tires, get one free with paid installation, including brands like Nitto and Cooper. Get four tires, but pay for only three. Right now at Big O Tires, during Black Friday deals only through December 8th. Interest-free financing available, too. For your nearest participating location, go to BigOtires.com. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Suichi Tirada joins us. Suichi covers the Tigers and will cover Saturday's Florida at Missouri game. Tigers looking to break a three-game losing streak. All those games on the road. The Tigers are finally back home for the first time since that five-game homestand that that ended, it seemed like, an eternity ago. Look, Missouri is, um, you know, the the, the season's kind of taken a a terrible turn for Mizzou. But they did did get some good news this week, didn't they, Suichi, with with the – the health report of quarterback Kelly Bryant. What are what are the Tigers? What are you hearing about Kelly Bryant? And what are the? How do you think it's going to shake out at quarterback for Mizzou this weekend? Yeah, at this point, I think if Kelly Bryant doesn't go, then something went terribly wrong. I mean, he took all of the snaps at practice on Tuesday. Barry said earlier today during the an SEC conference call that he's ready to go, getting closer to 100. percent Like, if Bryant doesn't go, then I think Tigers fans should be worried because I think there would be an unexpected setback. But as of now, he should be good to go. You, you can expect him to go on Saturday tomorrow. Yep. Yeah, there were some. Seemed like there were some mis messages, mixed messages last week when it came to Kelly Bryant. I just thought one day he seemed good to go, <laughs> and then the next day not so much. And we waited till game time to see what, uh, what, what who was going to be on the field at Georgia, and it turned out to be Taylor Powell. And who didn't, you know, along with the rest of the offense, didn't didn't have a good game. But um, I, I think the quote from Barry Odom was 100% or close to 100% with the hamstring injury for Kelly Bryant. Yes, and he said that earlier Wednesday. So okay, in that sense, Bryant should be good to go. And, and like you mentioned, there was a little bit of a weird mix-up last week. On Tuesday, it sounded like Bryant wasn't ready to go. Then on last Wednesday... Odom was like, yeah, you know, he should, he he should, he's on track to play. And then by Thursday, during last week, Thursday, during the Tigers radio show, Odom said it'll be a game time decision. And as we found out as media after the game, actually on Georgia, Taylor Powell's actually told he was going to start on Wednesday. And so it, it was a lot of the timeline was kind of messy in terms of where Brian stood. It did seem like he was a traditional game time decision. He went through warm ups. He even padded up, went through his full warm up, but it, 
it, it, it was a little bit kind of mixed messages there. So that was a little bit confusing for everyone involved. Right. So the Tigers get shut out at Georgia. The offense doesn't play well at all, except at the end when, when Powell went <laughs> to the bench and Connor Basilak, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, yes. um, you know, came in. He, it was only the second time he's played this season, but he put together a good drive. It didn't end yeah. in a touchdown, but at the end of the game, that was the maybe the most encouraging play offensively for Mizzou in that game. Tell us about Connor uh, Bazelak and and what his redshirt situation would be, having already played two games. Yeah, so new NCAA rules within the last few years have uh, the new rule is that you're allowed to play up to four games before burning that redshirt. So three games left in a regular season. Obviously, for some reason, we still don't know anything about the NCAA appeal. But if Connor Bazelak plays the rest of the way, then he burns that redshirt. But if he just plays in two more games, he'll keep it. So, but he he looked really good against Georgia, and I think. That was a little bit surprising. I mean, I remember late in the game when I was writing up my gamer and I was thinking, wow, Missouri's best drive was seven. It was, it was <laughs> I still remember because I was staring at it for so long. It was seven plays for 30 yards. That was their best drive. It went for a little bit over two minutes and it ended in an interception. That's how bad the offense was doing. And then you get this true freshman who was playing high school ball last year. He comes in and he strings something like a 17-play drive. They get right up to like the Georgia four-yard line, right? They weren't able to score a touchdown. They probably should have. Um, I believe Basilek hit Jonathan Nance in the hands and fourth down. He, right. uh, the wide receiver couldn't quite come down with the ball. But, yeah, I mean, it was really encouraging. I think it was a little surprising seeing a true freshman do that. And Barry made a good point. Like, this kid, you know, he's 18, 19 years old. Like, he was sitting all game in the cold. It wasn't very warm in Georgia. And he comes in and strings together a couple or at least one good drive. So that was definitely surprising. Um, Barry Oda mentioned on Tuesday – that should Brian, if he has a setback and he and they have to roll with the backups tomorrow, then that means that Basilek and Taylor Powell will probably get snaps. So apparently the true freshman impressed enough to probably earn some meaningful snaps the rest of the way this season, if obviously with the if of Kelly Bryant. Right. All right. So something to keep an eye on in Saturday's football game. Missouri Tigers men's basketball doesn't play again until Monday, but had a had a really nice effort, I thought, on uh, Tuesday night this week against yeah. Xavier. At, at Xavier, they were down 15 at one point in the first half. They cut that cut that to seven at halftime and actually took the lead in the second half before falling in overtime. What did you make of of Mizzou hoops at Xavier? Yeah, I wasn't at the game just because it was at Cincinnati and travel was difficult. But like you mentioned, I was really impressed with that comeback. I mean, when you're down 22 to seven or whatever it was with four minutes left to play in the first half, like you're pretty much left out to dead, but they were able to claw their way back. The shooting started to heat up. Drew, Drew Smith, I mean, that redshirt junior. Um, fun fact, he actually went to Evansville, and Evansville obviously defeated Kentucky on Tuesday night. That's right. Just a little fun fact, but Drew Smith looked great. 22 points, 10 rebounds. Um, I believe it was four turnovers, five assists or something like that. I don't have it right in front of me. But, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of positives to take from that. I think the weird thing about this Missouri Tigers team is that, yes, they're experienced and that – a lot of their contributors are second and third years, but at the same time, this isn't a Xavier in that Xavier brought back four starters. They added an Ohio transfer who was, I believe, all Mac. So, I mean, Xavier is a good team. I think the Musketeers have earned that number 21 ranking thus far, and the fact that Mizzou could go on the road, be down 15 points, take the lead in the second half, go on some crazy 14-2 run, that's, that shows to me that this is a mentally tough team, especially doing so on the road. So I think... I'm not a huge fan of the quality loss or anything like that, but there were definitely some positive takeaways to take away from uh, Tuesday night. All right. Very good, Sweetie. Good catching up, and we will talk to you again next week. Yep. Sounds good, Blair. 
Kellis Robinette joins us. Kellis, that um, you know, the, the Wildcats take on West Virginia on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and a lot going on uh, with with Kansas State on the football field and the basketball court these days. But the loudest noise this week, at least from a fan standpoint, came from the cubicles inside the football locker room. A new look, throwback uniforms, which are really interesting. Uh, the Last time Kansas State wore the uniforms that they're going to wear on on Saturday was in 1988, and Kansas State fans and college football historians will recall not a great year for K-State football. So what's been the reaction to this new look? And first of all, let's describe the new look, and then tell me what the reaction from the fans has been and the volume of reaction from the fans. Uh, all right, well, yeah, let's go ahead and start with the description of the logo Basically, what they've done is they've taken the white helmets they broke out for their game against Baylor. They've taken off the power cat that was on it and replaced it with the word cats. Script. Yeah, script cats. They're not the power cats or the wild cats this weekend. They're the script cats. (laughs) It's spelled out on the helmet. So it's a white helmet, the, the word cats written in script on the side. It's a throwback to what the football team wore uh, in 1988, as you mentioned, under Stan Parrish, an unbelievable, unforgettable year where they went 0-11 and uh, ushered in Bill Snyder the next season. So in a roundabout way, um, you know, without Stan Parrish, there might not be Bill Snyder. So maybe there is a really good reason to throw back and celebrate that age. Um, but basically, the uh, yeah, the, there's been an interesting debate that's come from it. Uh, some people, I would say mostly younger fans who weren't around in 1988 to watch Kansas State lose all those games, think it's pretty fun uh they've been waiting for an alternate look alternate helmets and they're finally getting it with uh with the cats on the side of the helmet but then there are some older people who witnessed what happened in 1988 and don't want to go back and relive those days and certainly don't want to uh you know honor them with a throwback logo to uh one of their very worst years so there's been an interesting back and forth there um the people who don't like it have been pretty vocal about it. I've been a little bit surprised because it's not like it's taking over the the power cat and they're not changing this logo. It's just a one-time alternate deal. But then on the other end of the spectrum, the people who do, who do like it really do seem to like it because Kansas State can't seem to keep um, this new merchandise on the shelf. Gene Taylor told me that the day they went on sale on Monday, they allowed fans to start purchasing items at 3 p.m. that day. And by midnight, they'd racked up $50,000 in sales. So uh, I don't know if I've ever seen anything thing you know hit every end of the spectrum opinion wise you got some people who really don't like it some people who are over the moon about it and then some people just don't care and are saying why are we even talking about uniforms how about that well hey and so besides the helmet what how about the uh, the jersey look what's what's going to be different about that I think everything else is going to be the same or pretty close to the same. I guess the only they haven't totally revealed what they're going to wear on on Saturday against West Virginia. So I guess there's some mystery about where will they wear white pants? Will they bring in, you know, something new that we haven't seen before? Um, Nobody's told me about any of that. I think it'll be pretty close to what we've we've seen. Um, I think the big new change will just be the helmet. Gotcha. Okay. It got me wondering, with all the the fan reaction to this story from what you wrote earlier this week, what it must be like at Oregon and Oklahoma State and other schools that tend to change their styles and colors, not colors, but the color schemes on a pretty regular basis. And I don't remember Kansas State under Bill Snyder wearing anything other than power cat helmet and the, and the jersey types. Maybe there was a stripe or something that was – a little different, but I, 
Kansas State was just one of those programs where you never see anything different. I mean, even just down the road at KU, seems like they've changed their 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 colors and their their helmet and styles, but never Kansas State. I guess that's where some of the reaction originates. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's why um, there is such strong opinion about this. It's it's just funny overall. I think uniforms and helmets and stuff like that really turn people who otherwise don't care about fashion and they'll just walk around in sweats. When you bring up football uniforms, all of a sudden they're real big fashionistas and have opinion <laughs> about every little thing. It's funny how that works out. Um, but I think it is. I, I had that same thought. Is it like this every week at Oregon? Is it like this every week at Oklahoma State where they bring out a new helmet or a new new pants, new socks, and people are just up in arms about it? Um, I don't know. I would think that as, as time goes by and those schools get used to it and they see it every week, it's not quite a, as big of a deal. Whereas at Kansas State, this is the first, like you mentioned, this is the first major uniform change um, we've seen – uh, I mean, yeah, in in ages, they, they switched things up a little bit under Ron Prince. They wore purple pants for a few games, um, and they had the cats on the helmet when Stan Parrish was coach. But otherwise, I mean, we're talking about going back to 1988, the last time Kansas State has played with anything other than a, a wildcat on the side of its helmet. So that's probably why it's just such a big deal. People have been waiting 31 years for this. And it hits them now, and I guess that's probably why there's such varying opinions on it. I suppose we can we can guess that if Kansas State, a 14-point favorite over West Virginia, somehow doesn't win on Saturday, that the whatever they're wearing will be collected, put in a pile, and set aflame, and uh, and we will never see this combination again would be my guess let's talk let's talk a second about the game though uh kansas state is a favorite to to beat west virginia and get to seven wins cats back in the poll this week or, or i'm sorry i take that back in the coaches poll right they did they didn't fall not back in the poll they didn't fall out of the coaches poll they did in the ap so just set up the game for us Kellis. what do you expect from from the mountaineers and it looks like a lot of people think this is a, a victory opportunity for K-State. Yeah, they actually held on to the playoff poll, too. They're at 24 there. So right. the AP voters didn't like them, but the coaches and the uh, the playoff selection committee think they're okay still. This is, uh, this is yeah, this is their, on paper at least, probably most winnable game, um, easiest game since early in the conference, uh, non-conference season when they played Nichols State and Bowling Green. They're uh, two touchdown favorites. They haven't been that big. Uh, they haven't been a double-digit favorite since they started conference play. Even against Kansas on the road, they were only a touchdown favorite. So, you would think this would be an opportunity for Kansas State to, you know, finally after the grind they've been on the last couple of weeks to take a little bit more. I don't know, laid-back approach into a game and still win. It should. You wouldn't think it would be quite as pressure-packed as games like at Texas and home against Oklahoma. Um, definitely still a challenge. West Virginia uh, two weeks ago went on the road against Baylor and played them down to the final possession. So they're not a pushover by any means, but at the same time, they've lost five games in a row. Austin Kendall uh, is their quarterback who transferred in from Oklahoma. He's been pretty turnover prone. Um, I'm not really sure what to tell you that West Virginia does all that well. Um, they're definitely in a rebuilding project under first-year coach Neil Brown. And, yeah, this is a game Kansas State should win, and they really need to take advantage with um, as hard as their schedule has been and the two games they have remaining after this, it would be a very nice deal if they could win and cover the spread. Very good. All right, Kellis, thanks for spending some time with us, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks, Blair.
Jesse Newell covers Kansas, and he's here with us. Jesse, Les Miles is, he's not going home, but he's going back to the place where he became a head football coach at Oklahoma State this weekend. And he, uh, it, it's a storyline. Did, did Les say anything interesting about that? A little bit. You know, he was asked about it on his Big 12 teleconference, obviously, a lot of Oklahoma reporters out there searching for some, some angles, and I don't blame them at all, but... Um, it is sort of a fascinating story. You know, Les talked about how his family sort of grew up there. I mean, if you think about almost two decades ago and how old his kids are, I mean, that would be kind of a formative time in their lives if they were between the ages of whatever it would have been, one and seven or one and ten, whatever the case may be. So he's definitely seemed to enjoy his time there. He said he liked the city, liked the people. Uh, he said he hasn't been to a game at Boone Pickens Stadium since he was the coach there. So that will be interesting. And he said nobody will enjoy this more than he will walk into that stadium. And uh, he was asked about the reception he might receive and, you know, kind of um, said he, he'll enjoy it no matter what and, and whatever the fans do, the fans do. But this seems like a time when there'd be no reason for, for fans to be upset with Les Miles. I mean, he was there four years, turned the program, helped turn the program around, beat Oklahoma twice, and then went on to LSU in a very successful career there. So it's almost, um, you know, after a decade and a half, I don't see any reason why Cowboy fans would be upset with Les Miles or, or any reason to give him a bad reception. So that'll be a pretty cool moment, I think, for him. And to see, uh, I know there was some discussion on the Big 12 teleconference about how he was, him beating Oklahoma was part of the reason that Boone Pickens opened up the wallet to help rebuild Boone Pickens Stadium and get all those, um, you know, fancy luxury boxes and make the stadium what it is. And it is one of the best stadiums in the Big 12. So in a small way, Les sort of helped build that program to what it's become under Mike Gundy. And so for him to return to that and see people he's seen before and be in a familiar town, I think all that's going to be pretty cool for him. I remember that game. That was that was at Oklahoma, and the Sooners were in a position to play for the national championship, having won the national championship the previous year. And it was, by, by I think, odds makers, maybe the biggest upset in college football that year. But it, it's probably one of the top 10 upsets of that decade. It was an incredible, incredible victory for Oklahoma State. And I think the... It, interesting in this respect as well, when, when Les Miles was at Big 12 Media Days this year, I think it was there, he said it, maybe he said it earlier, that he thought this Kansas team had more talent than that Oklahoma State team, his first one mm -hmm. at, at Stillwater. And look, Kansas has had some great moments this year, obviously. Um, maybe this is a, an opportunity for Kansas to prove less right. Maybe, maybe this Kansas team can match some of that talent from that first Oklahoma State team. And if you go back, uh, the Oklahoma State team went 4-7, and seven, I believe. That's right. And so The old 11-game uh, schedule. Yeah, and KU right now is 3-6. and six, So you could make a legitimate argument if KU won one of these games. I mean, I know 4-7 and seven versus 4-8, and eight, but to be able to go on the road and beat Boston College, even the close losses, um, especially when you're looking at Texas. Texas go, would, be, would, would have been the one that you would have said, yeah. They, absolutely. That would have been kind of the equivalent of that. And obviously, K, you missed an opportunity against K-State two weeks ago because that would have been the same sort of Oklahoma game that yep. opens everyone's eyes and says, hey, this program is here for real. And, and KU obviously played its worst game of the season in that one. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, you know, a lot of eye rolling with that comment when it first came out. A lot of people saying, oh, Les, you know, he has to say something. But it is interesting when you are asked that question, he's going to be asked it so much because that's natural. He took over an Oklahoma State team that was rebuilding. He's taken over a Kansas team that's rebuilding. It seemed like he thought in his mind about something that he could say and kind of a go-to. And that was his go-to. And uh, I, you know, like I said, a lot of people took that and thought he's crazy and that's not really right. But you look at the results of the season, he's 
he's not far off. I mean, this this Kansas team has shown a lot of positive signs. They have a lot of skill position players that have allowed them to hang close in games and win a few games. So uh, I don't think, looking back at that comment, that he's going to regret that one at all. I know some KU coaches in the past have regretted comments they've said in media days, but I, I do not think that this one is going to be one that Les Miles looks back and people are saying, hey, he was absolutely wrong. He was actually sort of right with this one. You took the words out of my mouth because I was – I automatically reverted to Charlie Weiss. And, pile of crap. Yep. Have you seen this pile of crap? That's that's still, I'll never forget that. And just thought, how wrong? Just how, on so many levels, what a, what a terrible thing to say. Now, maybe what Les said opened eyes and it uh, filled notebooks and it was uh, it was really interesting, but it was a positive vibe for his program and his team and not an inappropriate thing to say. Yeah, and, and what you worry about with those is, your players that you coach in that first year at Oklahoma State. But, again, it was two decades ago, and those guys would probably agree, too, just like, hey, they were rebuilding just like Kansas was. And even if we're thinking about this logically, Blair, it's like anything else. I mean, um, like if you're tracking college basketball stats from year to year, like everybody I see on Twitter that yells at me, they say, free throw shooting, nobody practices free throw shooting. Well, free throw shooting is better than it's ever been in college basketball history because guess what? Players are better than they've ever been. And call, I mean, people get more athletic. They get better shooting-wise. They keep moving the three-point line back. And so you can say the same thing about college football, too. You know, this this level of game is better than it was two decades ago because the athletes are better, the players are better, and that's just sort of a, a blanket statement. But if you're if you're Les Miles trying to make a point, I mean, that's something else you could say to those old players. You know what? That's kind of just a basic thing is that uh, players of today are better than players of the past, and that's kind of how we move in human progression. You know, people are breaking mile or barriers in the marathon nowadays that they weren't breaking before so um that's sort of what happens uh when it comes to athletics and it seems like for this Kansas team like I said this is not out of the ballpark his his comment there was not completely off base it looks like this Kansas team definitely did have some talent and definitely could hang around with some big 12 opponents you're right there was a sub two hour marathon run recently that's what I'm saying it wasn't official but that's I I, I was I gasped at that idea a sub two hour marathon uh, yeah well and just like you know however many years ago Jim Ryan, another Kansas guy, it gasped at a four-minute mile, yep, yep. and then it happens, and then everybody just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. So, um, yeah, for, for for Kansas, they're not as good as a lot of their other Big 12 teams in 2019, but maybe they'd have been a great team in 2001. Who knows? But they're not out of a bowl. Uh, they're still not bowl ineligible yet, and that's out there for them. It is. It's it's unrealistic. I mean, let's be honest. Like, a lot of things, if you're looking at pie in the sky, Kansas – they're three and six. They need three wins to get to bowl eligibility, and their last three games are at Oklahoma State, number 25 team in the nation, 17-point underdog, at Iowa State, probably even more of an underdog in that game just because Iowa State has kind of had some unlucky breaks go against them. Home against Baylor, probably won't be undefeated by then since they've got Oklahoma and Texas in between, but a team that has played very well, and honestly probably the most winnable game of those three is probably Baylor at home. Uh, but for Kansas, listen, if you're a team and a program like KU and you aspire um, to get these seniors out on the right path, that's what you talk about. You talk about bowl eligibility. And for Kansas, I think I saw that they have the second longest drought in Power 5 football when it comes to uh, lack of a bowl streak. The last one that they had was back in 2008 yep. in the Insight Bowl. Uh, I remember covering that down in, in Tempe on New Year's Eve. But uh, Before fighting Glenn Masons, did yeah, he? Uh, it was not the Glenn Masons. It was uh, well, I'm, I'm moved, blank on his moved name. On from then, huh? Yeah, it was Minnesota. Uh, but what was that guy's name? Tim Graham? Or yeah, I'll look it up. I'm gonna look it up <laughs> while you're asking me a question. It's something like that, though. It's Tim something. Um, but anyway, for, if, if you have this long bull streak, that's something to aspire to. And I know, like the miles to go cameras in the locker room at Texas caught Dalen Charlotte going, you know, trying to motivate his teammates, saying, "I want to go to a bowl game. I'm a senior." And so. 
For Kansas, that's kind of what you cling to. And to be honest with you, in mid-November, most years, it's not something that they had a possibility for. So for Kansas to be able to at least point to that and say that they still have a chance at this point in the season, like I said, it's not huge, giant, gigantic leaps for this Kansas football program, but it's something. This team still has a possibility to bowl game, and maybe that provides a little bit of extra motivation when it comes to this Oklahoma State game this weekend. All right, Jesse, good stuff. Thanks for dropping by. Next podcast, I'm going to start with who the Minnesota coach is. So you be ready for that. 2008. Okay. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Thank you to producers Leah Becerra and Derek Donovan for putting together today's episode. And here's our end of the week message. We've been delighted and educated by the feedback we have received from you. Let us know what you like or don't like about Sports BKC. Leave a rate and review where you listen, or just contact me directly at bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions. That'll do it for another week of Sports BKC, presented by Big O Tires, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. We'll be back Monday with another fresh episode.